And welcome back to the No More Podcast in the Sport where Dylan hired a lawyer that doesn't know how to do his homework. And it didn't end well for him, unfortunately. Um, I don't know. Only in boxing could you could you have a calamity like this. Like, he and me were talking about a $40 million transaction and his lawyer can't even be on his game to talk to Frank Warren. Of all people, Frank Warren. Like, the most basic guy to deal with, right? So, Friday, on TalkSport, you know, shouts out to Dez for putting me onto this because I, I would have missed it otherwise. So, they had Simon Jordan and Jim White on. And I think, because I didn't get the full chronology, I think they had Jeffrey Benz on initially. And he was moaning about things not being done for Dillian White, yada, 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 yada. And so, quite rightly, someone somewhere's told Frank Warren, right? I don't know, maybe Simon Jordan texted him and said, mate, you need to get on here. Now, here's the thing. Everyone should have known from that Radio 5 interview where Frank had Barry over a barrel. Frank shows up ready. Frank's ever ready. And so Frank shows up. And, you know, Frank gives his version. And and the thing with Frank is he's on very solid ground because he has a signed contract. And whatever anyone tells you, the only relationship that matters between two people in a business sense is what is in the contract. Not what you shook hands on, not what you sent via email, not what is in the contract that you signed. And Frank is on such solid ground that he could almost have fun with this. And how can I put it? When you've got a contract the way he has... It's like having a Tommy Hearns jab, right? And you're boxing, I don't know, who's small? Someone really small. Even a Manny Pacquiao, but probably not him. It's a small guy, and I can't think of anyone who's that small. Eric Morales, that'll do. You know, you know you're going to be able to keep him off with the jab, and that's all Frank did, right? And he's just explaining quite logically, there are things that we don't have to do in this contract, but we're doing them because we want to make the fight easier. And the issue is Jeffrey Benz wants us to do more, but we don't have to do more. So give us a reason to do more. Is that essentially what Frank is saying here, right? And quite rightly, talks will go, oh, let's get these two guys on here. Man. Let's, let's get these guys going head to head because and, and even I got the sense that this is, this is classic content. This is, this is not going the way either man planned. But deep down, if they'd planned it out, it couldn't have gone any better. So they get Jeffrey Benz on to go head-to-head with Frank. And prior to this point, I thought Jeffrey Benz was one of those lawyers, right? Competent lawyer. So essentially, look, Jeffrey Benz is one of those paper-on-the-wall guys, right? Um, Got a degree here, degree there, did this course here. You know those guys with the letters behind their names and all the little certificates in their office and that? But essentially, for the UK purposes, he's a door tenant and I think it's for New Square. And what does, what does door tenant mean? What it means is you don't have an office there, right? So you don't, you're not necessarily a direct fee earner. The, that firm of barristers, the chambers, don't rely on you for their income. But if they need someone who knows their sports, they can call you. And they can also use your, this is the irony of it, they can use your name and promotional material. So if they want to go and get a sports client, they can go, look, we've got Jeffrey Benz even though he doesn't directly work for them because I imagine he spends most of his time in Los Angeles. Which then poses the question, where did Dillian find this guy? 
someone like IFL have to get to the bottom of this. Where did you find Jeffrey Benz? Because it's not that Jeffrey Benz is useless, by the way. If you look at what he's done, general counsel for the IOC and so forth, he sat on arbitrations as a neutral or as counsel. So essentially what that means is, you know, there are essentially three sides in arbitration, right? You've got the guys arguing for, the guys arguing against, and you always have one guy in the middle. Like he's the the odd number. So if I've got a five panel arbitration, right? I've got two on my side, two against me, one who's neutral. So he's clearly occupied all the roles in that. So he, he knows what he's doing. But here's the issue. This isn't a dispute resolution process because there's been no breach of the contract. I repeat again, there's been no breach of the contract from what I understand. Now, I haven't seen every clause in it, but if you look at the, the key heads of agreement, number one, the first bid was was it $41 million. Dillian gets 20% of that. Tyson Fury gets 80% of that, right? Now, however it's cooked and managed, people can say, but they're the figures. And that's what people have signed up to. Now, may, there may be some things there about you have to make an attempt to promote this via social media. Dillian probably has until the fight to do that. So he's not in breach of that either. So I found it weird when they got Jeffrey Benz on and he, he asked Frank where things were with this list of demands. Like, what was that? 20, 20 inner ringside, 20 outer ringside, 3,000 tickets to sell and all this sort of stuff. And it's, but that, none of that's in the contract. You don't have to give Dillian anything in this one. Like, and Frank knows this. I'm surprised Frank didn't just say we're going to stick to the terms of the contract. That's all that matters. We're going to stick to the terms of the contract, and that is that. And he could have ended the conversation that way. Instead, Frank, Frank being Frank, couldn't help himself, could he? So Frank had to get his jabs in. Frank had to get his shots in. And he was right. He, he said it to Jeffrey, we don't have to do any of these things. You know, and Jeffrey Benz was, un he, he didn't seem sure about what he was supposed to do. So he didn't know that he had to initiate the escrow process. He didn't know that, which being a lawyer, you should do. But when you're an arbitrator, you don't do those sorts of things, right? And this is why you don't necessarily want an arbitration lawyer when a contract's already been signed and there's been no breach. What you really want is a commercial lawyer, someone who understands what the contract means. Okay, look, we're going to do this in escrow. I'll get my team to set up the escrow account. You put the money in. That's normally how it works. So Benz doesn't seem to understand that. And then he starts talking, and this is where he slid into dangerous ground now. Here's where, I mean, here's where he basically lent in with his hands by his side and exposed his chin. And he, he alluded to the fact that Frank doesn't pay his fighters. And Frank was like, oh, please name names. You know, really take it where you want to take it and see what happens to you. And I think he suddenly realized... I'm going to get my ass sued because we all heard it. It was, it was on the radio and it was disrespectful and unprofessional, if nothing else. And all this time, if you guys haven't seen it, watch it. Because I was taking this in live going, this is slaughtering Dillian's reputation. How many months did we hear? Just give me my shot. I'll fight for free. I'll do whatever it takes to fight for that world title. Because once I've got that belt, I can call the shots, right? That was what this was always about. Just one and done. 
I will do whatever it takes to get that belt because I believe I can beat Tyson Fury. Now, I don't know if it's ego. I don't know if it's bad advice. I don't know if Jeffrey Benz thought he could turn that 20% into 50%. And it doesn't seem that he can because, number one, there's no arbitration table to discuss the 20%, right? So you can't go to court because the WBC have an arbitration clause. So you have to exhaust the WBC's processes. And one of those is arbitration in the court of arbitration for sport. They're not, they're not scheduled. I think, I think all the cases are lined up till like July and they're not mentioned. So there is no legal matter. There is no case pending because you cannot sue. No judge will allow you to sue until you've exhausted all of the agreed processes. So part of me is like, Jeffrey Benz can't be that stupid. He must know that. He must know that he can't sue to get more money. And he definitely can't sue to get more money when he's affirmed the contract. You signed the contract for 20%. So you're saying you're happy with the 20%. If you weren't happy, you sue and you go, well, we'll come back around later. But in the meantime, we're going to sue for our percentage, which I haven't done. So I'm almost like, is this all a big, like, is everyone in on this? Or half the people in on it and then like the rest of us are just there on the outside looking in. I don't know. It all feels a bit fishy. But in summary, Frank basically runs rings around Jeffrey Benz, which he shouldn't do because this is about legal stuff and Jeffrey Benz should have known his stuff. I don't think Jeffrey Benz understood that Frank comes prepared for everything. And now you look at it from a Dillian perspective going, your brand is taking an absolute hammering because of this guy, Jeffrey Benz. Like, and I said it in a previous episode, it's more energy not to comply than it is to comply because you're so used to complying, showing up for press events. It's actually easier for you to just show up psychologically and spiritually. It's easier to do that. So you say, who the hell's advising him? And, and what's the end game in this? Why not just be honest and say, I don't want the fight. If you don't want the fight, don't have the fight. If you do want the fight, then all Dillian has to say is, Jeffrey, tell them I will do what's in the contract and nothing more. And then they say, okay, cool. We'll do what's in the contract, nothing more. That is why you have purse bids. They essentially buy Dillian services for one night. Right? That's what, remember, that's what Deontay Wilder wanted the $50 million for. He said, look, give it to Joshua so we can fight him once, take the belt and move on. And what happens in boxing at this level is too many people want control. Too many people want to be involved. I'm sure Eddie's thrown his two pennies in there. Everyone's thrown their two pennies in on what they can do with Frank. And Frank's just gone, no, I've got a signed contract here. There is nothing you can do. You know, and the paradox is in Dillian not promoting the fight and not, not willing to engage in the promotion of the fight, he's actually promoting the fight better than he would have done in person. Now, is it good for him long-term? No, because a lot of the people who are banging the drum for Dillian are now turning against him because they're saying, mate, you're doing too much. You asked for the title shot, you've got it. Yeah, just get on with it. Because as fans, they want the content. They want to see the head-to-head. -head. They want to see the build-up. They've followed you this far and it almost feels selfish for him not to give the fans what they've been banging the drum for. 
But I hope this is the end of it. I genuinely hope between Jeffrey Benz and Frank Warren, either they say the fight's not happening or they say we're just going to stick to the terms of the contract and we can all just move on. Because what are we now? Four weeks away? Yeah. We are four weeks away from this fight supposedly happening. Four weeks. If it's not happening, let's all work it out now so people can move on. But what an absolute disgrace. And it shows how much of a joke boxing is. You can't... Can you imagine uh, Baker Mayfield sending his agent on the radio going, well, yeah, you know, they didn't get me a cushion for my bench in the locker room. Or why is my locker room door not blue? You know I mean? All this sort of... You, you wouldn't do that. The stuff gets dealt with in-house, not on public radio. It's embarrassing. You almost take boxing fans for idiots, man. It's embarrassing. And I genuinely hope after this, we don't see Jeffrey Benz in boxing again. Because as I said before, why do you need an arbitration lawyer when there's no arbitration? Why do you need an arbitration lawyer when there's no dispute? You don't. You need a commercial lawyer. Because what a commercial lawyer would have done is they would have said, look, Frank, we know you don't have to do it. So here's what we want. What is it you want from us? Let's find a way to horse trade here. And by the end of that meeting, we should get a little bit of something. You should get a little bit of something. We're not going to get everything, but we know that. We just want to get the things that are important. And we're willing to concede on some, on some key points. That's how deals get done. So I'm surprised Jeffrey Benz didn't understand that. But now let's, let's look at like the things that matter. So look at the numbers, right? Once TalkSport shared their clip, it's up to probably about 320,000 views now, right? So that's 320,000 pairs of eyes now kind of bought into the, into the fairy tale. I don't know how many retweets. I don't know what the reach was. You can say the reach is probably in the millions in terms of people who've, who are aware of it now. Because remember, people are tweeting about it. So TalkSport gave Frank Warren what? A million and a half worth of free publicity. So Frank Warren wins again. And I wish people would understand that where there's conflict, there's content. It's as simple as that. You, you turn all of that conflict into content and it becomes a virtuous circle. The thing that you're trying to build and promote just gets bigger and bigger. So as I said before, Dillian White acting up the way he is might be the best promotion for the fight you could actually have. Let's just move on now because I think we've sort of we've sort of done Frank and Jeffrey to death now, and let's let's zero in on tonight, um, Saturday's fights because it's really interesting if you compare the matchroom and the boxer cards, right? I think both cards make sense, so I'm not going to really shoot down either. So Warrington versus Martinez, I imagine, reasonably costly card to make up in Leeds. You're not really going to recoup a lot because, like I said, you haven't got pay per view behind this, so the venue has to sustain the cost of the fight. I don't think does not want to put too much into the pot for this one. So you got quite a heavy main event and I know people say uh they're probably passed it and washed up, but in terms of it being a close and competitive fight, there are a lot of questions we'd like answered. So nothing against the main event. But you can see that the the subsequent cards a bit flat. You got Maxi Hughes against Ryan Walsh, which is yeah. <laughs> I mean that that feels like a sort of like an MTK sort of York Hall card, right? And then Ebony Bridges against God knows who. And I just, I I get what Eddie's doing with Ebony Bridges and Sky Nicholson, etc. 
let me build some names in Australia for when I do finally decide to go over there and do a show, right? So you build them over here and you go, hey, Australian guys, look at, look at these women doing amazing things in the UK, right? They're winning titles, they're fighting, they're entertaining. I can build stars, right? So all of you guys are Tim Zhu, George Cambosis, you ain't got to leave Australia. You don't have to go. I can build this for you. Just trust me and have faith in me. And it seems that's what he's using these guys for. And I'm not against that because it gives him an opportunity. I'm, you know, I'm happy for Sky, mainly because she's being trained by my friend Eddie Lamb. So I'm happy for her. And she gets to fight Beck Connolly, who, as everyone knows, I've got a lot of time for. Like, and that, like it predates all of this stuff, man. I've, I respect the grind she puts in. I have no idea how she fits everything in her life, man. Beck Connolly is... As a woman, she's superhuman. She may not be the greatest boxer ever, but I don't think she claims to be. But she's there to fight. And like, like I said, I salute the, the graft and the grind she puts in. Hopefully it's a performance today. I think key for her against Sky Nicholson is just shutting out that right-hand escape route. And when Sky starts to move to her left, just let her go. Knowing that she's got to reset and come again. So, you know, I'm intrigued by that fight. I think, you know, I'll be looking out for Beck. I mean, I'm a big fan, as you well know. Um, then you've got Dalton Smith fighting, so he's climbing the the alphabet title ladder, all that sort of stuff. It's it's a it's a solid card. Like I don't think that card goes anywhere. Like I don't. I mean, apart from Dalton Smith, I'm not thinking long term about many of the guys on that card. If I'm being honest with you, but like I said, I'll watch it. It's a solid enough card. It's not a card that you can criticize Eddie for. It's a card where you're like, yeah, it's competent. And then you contrast that with the Sky slash Boxer card at Wembley, which I might still go to. <laughs> Someone find me some tickets, please. I might still go to that. Um, I was meant to go originally. I would have bought my tickets ages ago, but as you know, my, my leg was screwed. Uh, update on that later. But my leg was screwed, so I didn't know if I'd be fit enough to sit for a few hours watching boxing. And, you know, it turns out that I might be able to. So... I'd love to have been there. If I am there, it'll be fantastic. But that one's kind of light at the top end in terms of main events. Dion Juma versus Richard Riakpour. Not a main event for me. That's like a chief support. That's what that feels like. You need something heftier. That would have been good on the Eubank Liam Williams card. That's the kind of fight that feels like. So this feels like a like a build-up card. Here's some guys to get excited about, right? So Dan Aziz gets his sky kind of real introduction to the sky public like this is the first time you've seen dan with the machine behind him on the a side right so i'm happy for him um gutted that he's not facing matthew tinker now i've i've been dm'd and texted oh what happened with your mate tinker paperwork it's just paperwork that's all nah paperwork that Probably, had they had an extra two days, would have been in order and the fight would have probably gone ahead. But, you know, they got defeated by time. And there's a lesson in this. Because this isn't the first time it's happened on a Sky Sky show since the new partnership, right? In business, we call these standard operating procedures. Sky should have a standard operating procedure for doing these fights. And it should be that, look, by the Monday of fight week, all paperwork is lodged, logged, and everything is done, right? So we're not talking about admin issues. You just focus on the fight. Now, that can't always happen. I understand that. But if you have that as your standard operating procedure, you can avoid a lot of issues going forward. So credit to 
Carl Greaves for still finding an opportunity for Dan to to showcase his talent. So he's going to face Reese Cartwright, who is is game as they come. But if we're being honest, Reese Cartwright's a small light heavyweight. Yeah, he's a small light heavyweight. Dan's a big light heavyweight. Dan should win, and I hope Dan does win because I think you know this is Dan's time. And it'd be nice to get a good defense. I still would like to see the Tinker fight. Um, I I hold out hope that it will happen. And, you know, in the meantime, do you get Matthew Tinker another fight? Look, Andre Sterling's around. Andre Sterling's around and he's ready. Why not? Do you know I mean? There are so many options here. And I, I just hope that the promoters do their job and creatively generate interest and attention in someone like Matthew Tinker because he's a stalwart of British boxing. And as... I, I was able to see him at the weigh-in and just the fact that everyone loved seeing Matthew Tinker. Everyone's got a Matthew Tinker story. Like, if you're if you're involved in boxing in and around London, you've got a Matthew Tinker story. So, I'd like to see him back again. He's he's a class act. Lovely, lovely human being. It was lovely seeing him the other day. And, you know what I mean? I wish the guy all the best. Um, then you got Adam Azim versus Connor, Connor Marsden. And that's, that's a ballsy move. And I was asked how I think this fight will go. And you've got two contrasts here. You've got young Adam Azim who's got, you know, all the, uh, how do I call it? Not all the flash, but he's got all the bells and whistles, right? And you look at him and go, I'd quite like this kid to go far. Conor Marsden's done it the hard way. Just grafted and chipped away in the amateurs, chipped away in the pros. And he finally made it to Southern Area champion. Be absolutely clear the kid can box. Yeah, six foot, six foot one. He can absolutely box. And he's an out... Like, if you've got 20 quid that you'd like to just throw on a bet and go, God, if this came in, it'd be brilliant. Marsden for a knockout is good value. Now, I'm not saying he will, and I'm not saying I wish that to happen, but I can see how it could happen. Now, what's key in this fight for me is whether Conor Marsden can get through the first half of the fight because... By then, Adam Azim would have exhausted everything he knows. And then it would just be, you know, how bad do you want it? Whereas Connor's done the 10 rounds before. And he he should then know how to peck away, break down, chip away at the kid. It's going to be a real test, hopefully, for Adam Azim. And if he gets through Connor Mars, then you can start to accelerate him. Which is what I'm looking forward to. But I think that's going to be a good fight. That's probably the sleeper fight on the card for me. And then we get to see all the others, like... Uh, Caroline Dubois should be on there, I imagine. Well, no, she is. <laughs> I saw her the other day. Lovely young lady. And then, obviously, I want to talk about the debut of Jamie Shakiva. Which, you know, I'm excited by Jamie Shakiva because I know what he's capable of. And I got into this with John Pilate and you guys all slaughtered me. And I'm not mad about it anymore. But Jamie, I feel the same way about in that his potential is insane. Because, like, in heavyweight terms, in a world where we deal with six foot six, six foot seven guys, Jamie's a smallish heavyweight. But, like, amongst mere mortals, he's a big guy. Um, he's in the best shape I've seen him. It's just about whether he can have that team around him that encourage him to express himself. You know, to be that nasty, horrible, gnarly, aggressive guy that I know him to be. And I respect him for that. He's got that kind of. In terms of mindset and that kind of bullying instinct, he's got that kind of thing that Holyfield had where he didn't care how big you were, he was going to try and bully you. And Jamie can do that. Now, that might all get coached out of him and I hope it doesn't. 
But I think that's his USP for me as a heavyweight. Is that he's that horrible bullying style that you don't see much anymore. So you can't even get sparring to mimic that really, because no one does it with any level of expertise. Dave Allen kind of tries to do it, but the the speed and the finesse isn't quite there when Dave does it. Whereas with Jamie, I think he could do that if he wants to do it, go as far as he wants. So I'm excited by that debut as well. I'm not going to lie. I also have to shout out Chris Congo, man. Welcome back, Chris Congo. Hopefully this is now the run where we see Chris just have a six or seven fight run, which culminates in a good title. I'd love to see that. I'm happy for Joe Pigford to be back on. I can't believe they're ranking this kid number 22 at 154 in the UK because those numbers look messed up to me. I, I genuinely think you can put Joe Pigford in with guys like Kieran Conway, Ted Cheese, but you could do that now. Or Troy Williamson. He's got that kind of equalizing power. You know, shouts out to guys like Kev Thornley. Lovely seeing him as well. You know, I first met him, God, is it six or seven years ago? And when he was working with Chris Billum Smith. So, I mean, it's good to see everything coming full circle and everyone achieving their goals. You know, he's a he's a trainer. I think he's just got his manager's license as well. So kudos to him. Uh, who else is fighting as well that we haven't yet? Shannon Ryan, actually. So that's going to be an interesting debut. Shannon Ryan's been generating a lot of noise in London. Uh, I think she's trained by a young man called Coach G, who's all right, man. Uh, you know, he's trying to make his way in the game as well. So salute to him. But Shan yeah, Shannon Ryan looks the part, like just in terms of someone you'd want to market and push. She looks the part. We're now going to find out if if there's substance behind the style. And I wish her all the best as she sort of makes her debut. You know, I just, I'm always going to be supportive of that. You know, she's making that step over. Could she have done more time in the amateurs? Yes. But are you going to fight anyone different in the amateurs than you are in the pros at this point? Probably not. I guess we should talk about the main event, right? Um, Richard Riakpo versus Dion of the Ghost Juma. I don't know. This is a really interesting fight. A lot of people have Richard as a heavy favourite, but they do, they're not understanding how good Dion Juma is. And also not understanding the impact Gary Logan seems to have had on him. Because I'll go back to old Dion Juma, who was a bit of a jack-in-the-box. There's a lot of energy, um, still elusive, still good, but as he's got older, you see him slow his feet down now. And... As a consequence of that, you see him using head level changes a lot more. And because he's so good with moving his head and being able to just manipulate space, he can make competent boxers look clumsy. Now, the question is, has Richard been able to do enough in Loughborough to not look clumsy when those punches start flying? And what I mean by that is when you're a tall guy and Richard's, what, 6'5", sometimes when you're throwing those straight shots, guys like Dion will just make you look clumsy, even though... Against another guy like a Sam Hyde, you may look good doing that, but you look clumsy against a guy like Dion Juma. And I think if I'm Richard, how do you deal with that? It's really about, like we talked about before, ring geography. Do not give Dion Juma any space to his right-hand side. If you can maintain that, you should be okay. Because once, once Dion starts finding space to his right-hand side, you start to see the big haymakers come through those long right hooks, and his arms are deceptively long, by the way. Um, he's taller than he appears. Like people talk about him being a small cruiserweight. Dion Juma's taller than he appears on TV. So the fight's closer than people think. I think it's going to be whether 
Richard can time the head movement to land that killer right hand. And for Dion, it's about can he establish control with his jab? And then based on that, will he then start to get that, that big left hand going? And, you know, we're going to find out a lot about Richard in this fight. And I think that's a good thing. Because he's been at a level now where we haven't been able to talk about him in the same breath as Lawrence. But if he wins this in style, we've got to start saying, well, when does he fight Lawrence? Or how far is he from fighting Lawrence? How far is he from fighting someone like an Isaac Chamberlain? These are all the questions that will come if he beats Dion Juma. If Dion wins, the crown passes to him. What would Lawrence do against Dion? What would Isaac do against Dion? What would Jack Massey do against Dion? And that's what Dion really wants. He wants to be the man in the division. You know, deal with everyone at British level, fight for a world title. Because what's he now, 34, 33, around that? So he hasn't got long at that level. So he's got to make the most of his time now. Another guy I'd be happy for, actually, is Gary Logan. Because Gary had Sam McNiss. And that didn't seem to go too well. I don't think that's a Gary issue, but it didn't go too well. Gary's known Dion probably since he turned pro. So this is a fairer assessment of what Gary can do when you give him a fighter. So I wouldn't mind seeing Gary get that kind of win where people go, oh, this Gary Logan guy can really train. Hmm. Maybe I'll give him a go. And, you know, you, you always have to salute the veterans, man, because Gary Logan's a vet and... A lot of people just walk past him and don't show him the respect he deserves. But I'll always say shouts out to Gary Logan because, you know, he helped build a platform on which we're all kind of existing now. Right, just some odds and sods to to sort of you know, tie this thing with a little bow. And I know it's the it's kind of like the, the junior championships in the amateurs. I know you guys sort of go, oh, God, here we go. But it's always a good opportunity. So I've been trying to watch as much of it as I can. It's a good opportunity to see the the new breed. And what I do like at the moment is these guys now are far more um, aggressive than maybe the guys were a decade ago. You know, like because a decade ago we were coming we we're coming out of the clicker system, and now you're seeing you know a lot of people going to going to the body. You know, varying attacks. There's a lot more subtlety to it. There's a young kid. Um, I think his name's Harvey Turner. Boxes for Phoenix Fire, um, 80 kilos. Kid looks the goods, quite like him actually. So there's a name I'm going to be looking out for, young Harvey Turner. He looked really good. Uh, James McDonough of White Hart Lane, I think he's boxing at 63. He looks really good. Um, one thing that's also blown me away is the quality of the young women boxing now. There's a couple, I mean, where you're watching it and it's, it's a full-on war. Like the, these young ladies now, and I've said this before, no, we're no longer getting people coming in from other sports to do boxing. These are ladies who are coming up from like young girls and working their way up the system. So the quality you're going to see from female boxing in about seven to eight years is going to be bang on. You know, that's what I'm really excited about is when we get that, that real high standard of boxing. So it's not just this ex keep fitter versus that ex bouncer. No, we have to watch like eight two-minute rounds of that torture. You know, we, we want these high-quality ladies and they're coming through. So credit to all the coaches doing their work. Credit to everyone who's helping build the sports up because I don't think we say that often enough. And well, in terms of me, uh, legs better. So it wasn't a ruptured testicle. Give thanks for that. It was, you know, muscle strains, tears, you know, the sort of carnage that happens when you're an idiot, unfortunately. So feeling better. I can sit for longer periods of time now. I can walk with just discomfort. It's not as painful. 
Sneezing still hell. Um, coughing's horrible. Laughing's horrible. So I'm trying not to do any of those. Um, apart from that's all good. Uh, Boxing-wise, well, what did I do? Ah, I saw Emperor Michael. Is it Michael Emperor Emperor Michael? The the guy that Porky had to roll up on. And, you know, Porky's going to murder me for saying this. Nice kid. Nice kid, man. Like, I, I don't think he thought I was the size I was, which I think he, 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 it took him a while to process that. But just a nice guy, man, trying to make his way in the game. And, you know, that, that it's like I say, man, whatever's said online is said online. The energy's always different in person. You know, shouts out to Jay Digits as well. Lovely man. Um, just loads of nice people. The Ed Robinson at the press event. Lovely. Um, good to see Dean White. You know, I like Dean. and I never understand why people give Dean White a hard time. So I go back to it, it was like, oh, he's not really Dillian's brother. Then it was like, his name's not really Dean White. Then it was this, then it was that. And I just kept saying at the time, look, here's a guy who's trying to do something in boxing. We should be applauding that. Here's a guy who's able to create a media image for himself in his own right now. You've got to be praising that. Here's a guy who takes a risk and puts his own shows on the Boxing Heist shows. You've got to give him credit. So I never understand how people can dislike Dean White because he's also a really nice person to talk to. Do you know what I mean? Like, good sense of humour. He can have a joke with anyone. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's a good guy. So, you know, that's why I say to people, I try not to take these things personally online because it's like we all got to see each other in person and we can go from there. But it was good. It was lovely seeing Matthew Tinker. I haven't seen Matt for years and like I said before, everyone has a Matt Tinker story. Like, and I, I love that. It shows that this guy invested in the sport and gave a lot back. So I like that. Good to see Dion. Um, lovely to see Yusuf Kamari. Please, please, someone get Yusuf Kamari a fight. That guy should be fighting every three months because he's got that entertaining warrior style. So please give this guy a chance. Um, brilliant seeing Dan as always. You know, Dan. Dan's a good friend. Um Kept trying to put him off during his interviews. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I guess, you know, sometimes you've got to bring out the inner child in you. Um, Jamie Shakiva, great seeing him. Good seeing Gary Logan. Awesome seeing Johnny Nelson as well, man. Johnny's just a just a good guy. For all the stick he gets online, man. Johnny is a guy who understands his role. Like, he's like our Jesse Ventura. Like, his boxing is Jesse Ventura. He knows how to get under the audience's skin. And I really like that. It's a good... It's a good trait to have. Shout out to Melissa Zad as well. Still grinding, still getting a product out on the street. Just all of this stuff. And I come back to this point, right? Everyone's just trying to make a little lane for themselves. And as long as we keep it boxing, there shouldn't be any problems. Like, I need to be better at it and not going personal as well. And I need to keep it to what people say in their content or what they say in the sport of boxing and hold them accountable to that. And I think we all need to do that. And I think you'll find that there'll be less drama and less conflict. But no, I really enjoyed just being around the guys. Um, Adam Martin, man. You know what I mean, Adam Martin literally looked like he had half a kilo of whatever in his bag, man. He, <laughs> like he just landed from Bogota. But now he's top man. Uh, who else was there? The Earlsfield boys there, Paul Simmons, Sid Khan and everyone. And they came in their Earlsfield kit. Like, oh my God. And I thought that was the worst thing I would have seen at the event. But someone showed up in full Loughborough stash, like full top to toe Loughborough tracksuit, everything. I was like, why? Like, like, this is boxing. We don't care about Loughborough here. 
But no, absolutely. No, I loved it, man. It was nice just seeing seeing people again, seeing Chris Congo, man. Got a lot of love for Chris. And I said, look, just give the man a run. Let him win us a title, make us proud, and you know what I mean? let him be who he needs to be. You know, Hopefully Sky will find a way to get Isaac Chamberlain on that platform. I feel that's a missing piece from a London perspective. But you never know, man. We live in hope. I think that's probably a good place to sign off, man. Hopefully you guys get to catch this before the boxing, so it's a nice little lead into the boxing. I might do a Monday Mass. You know, I probably won't record tomorrow's Mother's Day. I've kind of got to be a son at some point, right? And anything else you need to touch on? No, 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 no. I think we're all good. You guys have a great weekend. The sun's shining. The weather is sweet and all that good stuff. Um, do something that makes you smile. Do something that makes someone else smile. And it will be a good weekend. Take care. Bye. Uh, making this episode a bit messy, but I had to add a quick addendum because as I've been watching the the youngsters, the juniors boxing, man, the young kid, Leo Atang from Legion's ABC, so shouts out Damien Lithgow, he's he's there, he's qualified to the final. Just watching the young man do his thing, man, I like this. And I, you know, I like watching fundamentally sound boxers, so the kid looks class. Um, looks like he's going to have to fight Harvey Turner, so whoo. Good luck to him. And then other lady you got a salute is young Ella Lonsdale. I think she boxes up in Sunderland. Looks the goods at, what's it, 54 kilos? Absolutely looks the goods. So there's a couple of names to just be looking out for. You know, track their progress and see where they end up. But I just wanted to add that in there because it would have felt incomplete if I didn't. Why do people start hating? Cause their life been elevating. They just stand still and they're jealous of what you're creating. Could be a career. People even hate on who you're dating. Hate because you're straight. Hate because you're happy who you're dating. Hate because you're rated. Hate because your tracks are on a station. Hate because you're content. They even hate it at your patient. I'm sure you gather by now. Hating's for slacks and waste men. Who don't follow their own path. They stay chasing pavements. They could even have more than you. But they're hating and faking. It's like all they do. How you react to one of your haters?